Can you imagine the setting? I don't know for all of you, but I know at least for some of us, the setting would be a beautifully painted room. Uh, For us, it was the Paddington Bears. For you, it may have been Winnie the Pooh, or perhaps it was Disney characters, but You had a beautifully done room, and on one side of the room you had a baby crib, and on the other side of the room you had a rocking chair, and that song served as the lullaby night after night after night. And I asked Jerome to share that song this morning before I spoke, because that song represents what the lesson this morning is going to be all about, and that's Life Lesson One. And Life Lesson One is that God loved us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. And as we walk through life with our Christianity, we cling to that cross, to that sacrifice, to that demonstration of love. And so as we sang, sing that song, and, and especially to those of us who, who shared that song with our children time and time and time again, what a beautiful lesson to begin life with. Jeanette's mom taught us that lesson. She rocked our children to sleep many a time. And I was this morning, I, I shared this I, on occasion. I would wake up with our children in the middle of the night on occasion. Now, I was actually pretty good at faking sleep and playing possum. Um, sorry, honey, uh, but she she would vouch for that. But on the nights that I did decide, you know what, I need to need to be the upright husband and get up tonight. I would rock. And I would rock and I would rock. And the reason why I would fake sleep is because I couldn't get the baby to go back to sleep. She could get up and in 25 minutes she's back in bed. Me, I'm up till three or four in the morning. And her mom finally told me, she said, you need to learn the old rugged cross. And I thought for sure that every rose has its thorn or perhaps stairway to heaven. That was in my repertoire would certainly put the babies back to sleep, but it didn't. But when I learned life lesson number one, the old rugged cross, or maybe life lesson number two, I come to the garden, the babies would fall right back to sleep. And how much of a lesson is it? Well, I remember the first time I heard my five-year-old sing the old rugged cross, and he knew every word. See, this is what we teach our children. And when life lesson number one is all about Jesus and all about the love that we should have for God, and all about the love that we should have for the world, it becomes the most important thing we can teach. So this morning I want to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to finish in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you look in your bulletin, I've also uh, given you Matthew 22, 37, Mark 12, 29 through 30, and Luke 10, 27, all that direct us back to at least an acknowledgement of this scripture in Deuteronomy, the, like I said, life lesson number one. And I give you four questions to consider as you go from this place this morning. Question number one, does the summary of God's law, the command to love God and others, make obedience easy, easier or more difficult for you? If you, number two, if you find that your love for God and others is less than it should be, does it help to consider God's love for you? And I give you scripture reference, 1 John 4.19, to look at and, and ponder. Question number three, what are some practical rules for life you could adopt and practice 
that would aid in demonstrating God's love for you, especially to others. And number four, how important to you is practicing love for others in the relationships you build? Do you put a priority on the love piece? You know, sometimes in relationships, our priority is to what? Just kind of survive and exist, isn't it? Okay, it's, it's I love you with a wink. Or, or it's an I love you, and then as you're walking back to the car, you think, but it's a challenge. Right? We all have those relationships. But I really, what I want us to understand this morning is God wants our number, our, our, our greatest desire to be to understand that our love for others is a direct work of our love for Him and His love for us. So as we work together this morning to go through this, Uh, text together. I I hope that those are some things that we take from it. You know, life lesson number one to me is is a healthy fear of God is a good thing. We don't uh, we don't use those words like fear of God much anymore. We talked about conviction. That's a word that we don't throw around a lot anymore. Some because in some realms, people, they're uncomfortable with those words. But what I want to tell you is a healthy fear of God is a good thing. Families that pray, study, and sing together grow together. Okay, families that sing together, that pray together, and they study together, they grow together. And I hope that you take every opportunity as a family, whether and no matter how big or small your family is, those three things will help you grow together spiritually. What we're going to study today here in Deuteronomy chapter 6 contains what's known as the Shema. And the Shema is a Hebrew word that means hear. And if you were a devout, a pious, I'm sorry, a pious Jew, what would happen is every time you came together for for religious ceremony, religious get together, you would recite the Shema. You would share the Shema with one another, a reminder of what faithful people did and how faithful people acted and what they believed in. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 reads like this. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed to me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. One of the greatest purposes for them to understand these laws and degrees, all these things that have been given to them, and understand this is just after... God gives them the Ten Commandments and all these different things they had to follow and do was so that they would build a strong, long lasting kingdom. Now, why should we as Christians remain obedient and practice obedience to God? It's so that we build a long lasting kingdom. How long is our kingdom going to be? Well, how long is eternity? 
and a kingdom that prays together and studies together and sings together and is obedient to God's word and his wishes is a kingdom that will last forever. Now, I want to ask you something. Take a look at the children in this room, whether they're sitting with you or around you. How many of you want a long lasting kingdom for these children? Today, we are going to honor parents and children who are bringing life to this world. And we're going to bless them. And so from what our hope is, is that this blessing will carry over from the beginning of the life to the end of eternity. And that's a long time. And the purpose of the Shema, the purpose to hear was we want these children to understand from day one that God loves them and that to be obedient to God is for them to love him and to love the world that he created. And you can take all the rules and all the all the things that God wanted to do. And this is the summary that he offers. Christians today, as we read our Bible and we look at all the different things that God offers in his scriptures. In summary, what it means is that we are to love God and be obedient to God. And in that love and obedience to God, make sure that we're sharing that love with others at all costs. Healthy fear of a higher power is a godly attribute. And people should fear not showing God obedience and love and not loving the world that he has created us in. We should have a fear of that. It should motivate us and convict us to do great things, to build a powerful and strong kingdom that will endure forever for our little ones. So that they grow up in a strong kingdom and one day we all be united in that place, heaven, that's been promised as a strong kingdom. That is God's purpose. I'm going to give you three ways that I think we can effectively practice this. The first one on my list is to listen and act. But I want to come back to that one at the end. Okay. But number two is take God's desire to heart. Take God's desire to heart. Church, we live right now in a time that is very challenging, but it's not any more challenging than other times the world has went through. Are you following me? You know, our culture is not any more at trial than what the Roman culture was. What the great Far Eastern culture was at one point. We all, you know, the world has a history of going in and out of these trials, right? God's people in the Old Testament had to build a history around going in and out of trials, being obedient and being disobedient. We can read about it in the history of our Old Testament. But if we take God's desire to heart, if we take God's desire for us to love him and have a relationship with him, with that grace and mercy and love dominates, then we have nothing to worry about there. And so the next command in that, the next way of obedience is to love the world the same way and to show the world that it needs to love that we need to love one another the same way. To be obedient to God's desire and to take it to heart we need to care i taught the teenage class today and i don't know if you've ever read the ninth chapter of the book of amos anybody ever read that there's not a lot of hope in that at the very end god says well a few people from the house of jacob will survive 
And the teenagers were like, this is terrible. People are reaching to heaven, but God's hand is swiping them straight to hell. And people who are going to hell, God's hand gives them, lets them go a little faster. And this is the book, and they're looking at me and saying, what's going on? I said, this is why we should care whether or not we're obedient to God. Because there is a judgment. And that judgment will be swift. And that judgment will be harsh. And where there hasn't been obedience, where we haven't loved God and loved the world as we should, and we've done it with a heart that's not pure, there's a fierce judgment. Amos and other prophets make that clear, church. Now, maybe that maybe that's fear mongering. Maybe that's uh, that's about as close to fire and brimstone as I've gotten in a while. But it's the truth. And what I shared with the class is at the end of Amos, there's hope. For a few who are obedient. Church, I want us to be a few who are obedient. Number three, it's pretty simple as this is every moment is a teaching moment. To you three couples who will come forward today with your babies and this eldership will bless them. If there is one lesson that I could pass on to you as a minister, as a father, myself. Is that every moment is a teaching moment. Don't don't run from the opportunities to share God's love with your children, to correct them in love to celebrate their victories, to enjoy the opportunity to to help them through their brokenness at times, to share God's grace and His mercy with them. This is all part of raising them in that righteousness so that hopefully one day they don't just walk away. Take every moment as a teaching moment. And most importantly... Those moments that they're hurting the worst. Take those moments to join them on their knees when they're hurting. Join them in their tears. And you pray with them. And you read with them and you study with them and you share God's love with them. And then when they find victory in Jesus, you rejoice with them. Be that parent. Be that grandparent. Be that neighbor. Be that friend. And you'll be being obedient to God. Deuteronomy 4 begins the Shema. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It's that teaching moment. It's that opportunity to share. This is when we've listened to God and then we begin to act. We begin to use our words and use what we've studied and what we've learned to share with others. Not just keep it for ourselves and keep it in. Not to be fearful that, man, if I say the wrong thing, somebody's going to be hurt. Well, what if I don't say the right thing? When the time comes and judgment comes and there's been no warning... Or there's been not enough love to help encourage someone toward God. What's the price that a culture pays? What price does a culture pay when we as Christians have a weak kingdom? 
Think about that for a minute. When we as Christians have a weak kingdom, what price does the culture around us pay? We listen and we act and we take every opportunity to teach our children. Um, this week on a, in a Facebook post, I saw a mom write, um, and it was, a great, it was a great take on the target issue, the bathroom issue that, that we're facing in culture. And what I loved about this particular response was at the end, this mother said, being a parent is hard work. Amen. Amen. Being a parent is hard work. Being a parent is hard work, and being a spiritual parent is even harder work. Being a spiritual parent means accepting the obedience that you've been called to have to God and passing those lessons on from generation to generation. And that is hard work. You know, a home is a product of those who live in it. And a home can be a billboard for Christianity. This is how this text ends. The text ends in 8 and 9. It says, tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, a lot of our Jewish friends took this very literal and still take this very literal. You'll see boxes strapped on their arms or on their foreheads. And in those boxes are little scriptures and reminders of their love for God, a profession. And on some of their homes, on the door frames, you'll see boxes with scriptures attached in or inside them. And they're attached to their door frames and they they make this proclamation of their faith. And some of us would step back and think, well, that's silly. You know, that's silly. Your, your deeds are going to show what your faith is. But I would argue we do the same thing, right? We've got our bracelets. We've got our T-shirts. We've got the fish on our bumpers, right? We've got the little sayings on our walls in our homes that when someone comes to our house, we make no doubt that we are believers. I want you to remember the words in the gospel that Jesus said to Peter. He said this. He said, do you love me? And Peter, you know, Peter says, yeah, God, I love you. You know, I love you, Jesus. I, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yeah. You know, we go through this in the gospel. And by the end, Peter's getting frustrated. Well, here's what I would say to all of, all of us who have the T-shirts and have the bracelets and have the bumper stickers and, and, the, and the, the, the pasties on our house that profess our scripture is my question is, do you love him? Are your deeds making your profession just as much as your bracelets and your T-shirts and the things on your bumper? Parents who are embarking upon raising your children, do you love him? Because that's going to be a question you're going to answer time and time and time again. You're going to sit with your child over and over and over and you're going to answer that question as to whether or not you truly love him. Those that do will share his love for him. And you will help that child grow to have their love for God and to share their love with God with others. This is the Shema. 
as shared in the Old Testament. And this is, to me, life lesson number one. I've got to train my children. We have to train the children of this congregation as a kingdom. And we are obligated to train the world as a kingdom to love God and love our creation. Could you imagine a world and a culture that was truly obedient to that command? How would it be different? Charlie, you pray for a peaceful world. I think in that command we would find a peaceful world. We pray for children who remain strong in their faith. I think in that world we would find many more children strong in their faith. Unfortunately, there's also Satan that prowls. And we have to battle every day. How do we battle? We listen and we act. We listen and we act. We care about what God says. And we allow that to manifest itself into how we treat the world around us. Let them know us by our love. We're going to stand and sing. At the conclusion of the song, I don't want you to think that all of our elders are coming forward. I probably This probably isn't that convicting of a message, but they're going to come forward and join us for the baby blessings this morning. But if you have a need prior to that, please make that need known while we stand and sing together.